Welcome to Business and Legal Talk with Leo and Claudine. I am your host, Leo Landaverde, and my co-host is Claudine. Say hello, Claudine. Hi, good morning, good morning. How are we doing? I'm fabulous. Wow, what a um, rainy morning. Super. Uh, we, and you know what? We shouldn't be complaining here in the, on, on the West Coast because the whole, the rest of the U.S. is buried in snow. No, right? no, and, and really the drought wasn't that long ago. Let's be real. We want We want water grows grass yeah yeah so welcome to the show um if you are in california and if you are in the central valley welcome to the show every week we talk about the things that matter to business owners here uh, in california and uh, there's a valley central valley specifically so we have a great show for you today uh if you're just tuning in for the first time we speak to you if you own a business or if you're thinking about starting a business or if you own a business that is Growing fast, you definitely need to listen to the, our show. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about how to build a brand in 11 steps. Just 11? Just 11. Small little 11. I know. And uh, we may touch a little bit on seven stupid branding mistakes uh, people make when, uh, you know, in business. Oh, that's so for me. We, the things that you don't want to do. Yep. And if we have time, six ways to measure brand equity. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Do we have a show for this you today? This is packed. This is a packed it's crazy. day. <laughs> what is branding? Is branding marketing? Well, it's Come a on. loaded question. I know. Branding is the aggregate of what your the perception of your of your business in the marketplace. That's right. So, um, but, you know, before we get into that, I want to talk about the weather a little bit because, you know, I went to school in the Midwest. That's right. Um, in, in Wisconsin. And uh, some of the cities in Wisconsin are like negative nine uh, degrees and buried under two, three feet of snow. I can't even imagine. I'm born and raised in California, not necessarily the Central Valley, but certainly in um, weather, positive weather areas. So you never went to college where there was black eyes no. and no, and you had to dig your way out of your front porch no. into the car? No. And you had to scrape the stuff off your windshield? None no. of that stuff? And you know, we when we moved to the Central Valley, my husband and I, um, when we found the property that we're at now, we, we were so excited because it we raise horses, you know that. Right, um, and, right. and one of the things about the property that we found is that the soil is extremely sandy. Much of it in our area here, in, you know, Turlock, south of Turlock, is very, very sandy. And w- there's no clay. And so our horses never get muddy. There's no puddles. We never, mm. In fact, my mother was out for the holidays and uh, she is coming from Arizona and she grew up, um, she's born in Detroit, so she's familiar with that type of weather. And um, she just couldn't get over the fact that we just don't have puddles there's no even when it's pouring pouring rain the minute it stops um it soaks into the sand and it's as if you know it's like sand at the beach when it's wet wow so we're very very lucky um intentionally um intentionally came to this area for that reason yeah it's you know people may say a lot of things about california the 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 bats usually the bad stuff but there's so much good i mean this still the state is still the engine one of the engines of this country, and uh, it's, it's just a great place to be, especially the weather doesn't hurt either. It really is. And to, to everybody, I know that there's a big push. A lot of people are moving out of California, and, and, and I certainly empathize with a lot of them. But I would say, if you're thinking to, to move out, maybe consider staying and helping it become a better place. You know what? Funny thing you mentioned that, because I just read an article, um, millennials, right? This this generation uh, of, of the new generation, which is the kind of those born after like 1982 and towards like 2000 and, you know, kind of towards the end of the century, you know, last, you know, 1999, 2000, that bunch of people, um, 44% of this new millennial millionaires 
newly minted, 44% of those, according to CNBC, are in California. 44% of all new millennials who happen to be millionaires are in California. Tech industry. Tech. Tech. Yeah, uh, Palo Alto, in Northern right. California. Most of it is tech, but not all. The point is that for all the bad things that people say about the state, it produces 44% of all millennial millionaires are here. Right. So it's just fitting to talk about branding. So listen to this. According to Nielsen's survey, 59% of consumers prefer to buy new products from brands familiar to them. You know, the whole adage it takes, you know, seven, you know, people becomes, we, we're, we can become very robotic about life in general, right? right? You know, it's funny, you know, um, when, whenever I, and I'm on the road quite a bit, so, you know, driving throughout the state, and when I get hungry, I usually will pick a place that I list, that I most recently heard about. Of course. You know, and usually it's McDonald's. And it's, I don't think about it. You know, you see McDonald's, all of a sudden I feel hungry, right? And it could be, you know, it could be Carl's, it could be anywhere, but it's what's fresh in my mind. Does that ever happen to you? No. I, okay, so. No. That's you, not, <laughs> no. I eat junk food. I apologize. Do you? I try not to, but it's just my reality right now. My thing is, um, I do not like change. I avoid change. A, a great, great. I make great effort to avoid change. So I eat the same thing all the time. And I'm one of those people who literally could eat the same thing night after night for dinner. Really? I don't like change. What? No. And my husband goes crazy about it because he's completely the opposite. He tries all the different dishes and all the different, different meats and different, different types of, of food. No, not at all. Wow. And so for me, I have like four places that I'd like, and then I will, you know, I'll choose from, you know, one of the four if I can find them. I can usually find one of the four. So, you know, Carl's Jr. is one of my favorite because they have chicken strips. So, like chicken. Really? Yeah, so I, okay. and, and I don't I don't vary on the menus either. I go to the same place and there may be two or three things that, that I'll eat. Oh, okay. I don't like to take a chance that I won't like it. Disappointment. So I don't do well with disappointment, it, I guess. Risk averse when it comes to food. That's a, Oh, yes, absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay, so back to branding. So if you read that, if you, you know, if you heard that, you know, 59% of consumers prefer to buy new products from brands familiar to them, it, it would appear that to the small business, you have an upstream battle. As a small business owner, you may be competing against bigger brands, big brands in general, with devoted customers and unlimited marketing budgets. Think Coca-Cola, think Apple, right? Just those household names. That's why you have to find ways to differentiate with a solid brand building product, when when you're building a brand for yourself. All companies start from nothing to become something. So... You know, so we're going to be exploring that. And we know, you, you mentioned, what is a brand? And a brand is, def, is, is a defined, the overall perception. And perception is everything when it comes to branding. Everything. It's, it's, perception is actually everything in a lot of areas. In a lot of in areas. A lot of, a lot of areas. So, um, so number one, determining your brand's target audience. Who, as a business owner, if you're a business owner, I always think of it as an avatar. You know, um, a lot of the marketing seminars, a lot of this, the podcasts that I listen to are just, you keep coming back to this word avatar, is you should know your ideal customers down to their age group, 
how many kids they have, where they live, the type of cars they drive. You know, literally 2.3 kids, 1.7 cars in a 400,000 square foot home, you know, I mean, a 400,000 home, whatever. Whatever your ideal customer is that you're marketing to, you should need, you need to know the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything. It's almost like you've been spying on them. Data mining. Data mining. So that's how, you know, you know, avatar is, is. So yeah, we explain avatar because I know the avatar to me, it sounds like, um, you know, it's, um, it's your caricature on, on your, um, video games, right? Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, it could, but simply is the way I understand avatar is you imagine if you were to put a picture on a wall and that picture has a name to you. That could be a, you know, Adam Smith, or it could be Kim Johnson in age 44. You know, like, who is the person that is buying your services that the, the types of customers that you want? Got it. It is your defined ideal client. It's right. It's the one or- that pays your bills on time, right? That you don't have to keep calling for to collect. That every time you talk to them, there's a joy. That you can't wait to talk to them because right. they will do everything you ask them to do. They will do it properly. They will do it right the first time. They will do it on time. They will never bother you. They always sing your praises. Uh, well, it sounds like give the, the people who work for me. Right, just about everybody. Excellent, but, the whole crowd. <laughs> so, but but you put that on 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 a on a wall, right, on, on wallpaper, and you know their name. You know their age, whether they're married or single, right? The kind of car they drive, you know what their their likes. You know what what are the, what are their tastes, what what books they read, what magazines they they you know they read, what podcasts they listen to. That is the world that we're in. To when you are in in, in defining branding, you got to start with who is your target audience. You're not gonna please everybody, and nor do you want to please. You don't have unlimited funding, right? Right. This whole thing about it comes down because you know the the nowadays you can't just market to everybody. You gotta have an avatar. You gotta have a niche, and the niche is your friend. Well, it's, I think what you're trying to explain, and we All can right, talk about so this afterwards. Guess what? We're going to Music's break. Here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Business and legal talk. Leon Claudine. All right. We are coming back for the second segment of How to Brand Your Business. And we are talking about the top 11 things you need to do to brand your business. And you were talking about avatars. So yeah. I'm super old school because it makes me think of video games. I know. Or you think, or people think of the movie Avatar, right? Yes, um, which yeah. I know of but didn't watch. Yeah, good movie. James Cameron, you know, gosh. All yeah, right. I heard it's awesome. I'll digress if I can't go on. So, you can start talking about movies. Yeah. Audience persona demographics. So the key to branding in today's market is to go deep within a niche. Whatever niche, whatever you know, people call it niche or niche, whatever, the more specific you can get, it's easier to go it's because we don't have unlimited dollars for marketing, right, to throw at it. So you, the deeper you go in a segment, it's better to go a mile deep 
than a mile wide. Right. But don't you have, don't you believe that, that branding starts at home and you have to, it's not just your logo. It's not just your mission statement. It's not just the product or service that you're, that you're, you're selling or that you're providing, but you have to combine all of those things together, the who you are Mm -hmm. before you go look for the person who's going to buy it. Right. So how do you want to be perceived? Right. Right. Now, for instance, you know, and slogans and taglines. Right. Um, I like Walmart. No disrespect to Walmart, but I don't. I go there because sometimes it's just convenient. Of course. Right. And that's 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 the brand they've created. Right. It's convenient. You know what is a uh, live smart, save better, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- their tagline. But but that's different than going to Nordstrom. You know, if you want a shopping experience, you go to Nordstrom. Correct. If you want to buy and get out, you go to Walmart. Right. Everything, the way the stores are laid out in both places, entirely different branding, right? It's, it, 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 so that's what you have to keep in mind. For instance, uh, is you got to get specific. Who are you going after? Are you going after single moms who work from home? Is that who you service? Are, are you going after tech-savvy early adopters? Right, those who are willing to try anything just because they want to be caught with the latest, newest gadget. Right, tech companies will will look for those. They call them sneezers. Right, those people that are always looking for ways to innovate. You know, the iPhone didn't get rolled out to the entire world at once. It started with test groups. Right, those are people who are willing to try new technologies just because. Right, I'm not one of those. Right, so I'm going to challenge you. Yes, I'm gonna throw you. I'm gonna throw you a curveball. Okay. Actually, I have a couple curveballs I'm ready to throw. Oh boy! Because I've been I've been rearing up here while we were on break. Watch out! Okay, Nike's mission is to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. How do you think that that combines with their tagline of "Just Do It"? Hmm. And there's a difference between the mission and the tagline. Right. And there's a difference between your logo and you know uh, uh, your tagline and or all the different components that go into creating a brand and then you have a tagline so that that was your curveball for the day yeah help me hit hit that one out of the park get me out of get me out of this one batter up here we go it's just that that it's multifaceted and it's multi-layered is that when you when you're creating a brand it's not just a a 2d or a 1d photograph it's a 3d there's, mm. there's multiple layers in there and that if you really get creative, you can actually start to provide more than one layer and, and more than one vision of what your company is. And okay. so you have that mission statement and, and, you know, mo- in fact, it's, it was interesting. I might, I want to go I digress about mission statements. And I think it's good for every company to have a mission statement. If not, if you don't have it actually written down, but you have a vision of what is your mission and your goal and, and what you're providing and that you're clear about your mission. Um, we're clear about what our mission is where we know that we don't do criminal law and we're yep. clear about that. We represent business owners. Um, and to some extent, um, we do, you know, real estate work, but we're very clear on what we do because we don't want to dilute our, our central focus. So I, I think that when you look at a mission statement like Nike's and then you look at what is the tagline that they put out on all of their branding and all of their um, you know, newspapers or not newspapers, but their print marketing as well as their TV branding, the just do it. I think those two actually go together. Inspiration, just do it. Mm. they're trying to provide inspiration to athletes. They're trying to um, innovate the world. It's just do it. That's innovation. So I, 
I think it's really interesting that if you start to look at some of the um, the branding that is out there for some of these big companies, it's multi-layered. Good point. Good point. So for the sake of time, let's keep going. Number two, establish a brand mission statement. Have you thought about your brand's mission? It's funny. I was actually asked, to, do we have a written, an, um, an actually written mission statement? And we do not. And Do and you? It, I don't have a written mission statement. And it's something that I guess I need to work on in 2020. Well, I'm, I'm, not, con- I'm not convinced you actually have to have a written statement. Um, I, I just, I, I am convinced that you need to be clear on what you're trying to do and what your goal is as an organization. Um, but I don't know that you have to be old school and, and have it written over the door. So for those who are listening, so what is the definition of a brand mission? It's to craft a clear expression of what your company is most passionate about. Exactly. So what are we most passionate? What are you most passionate about? Representing business owners and keeping them alive. And we talk about the, mm-hmm. that on this pro- pro- program, not, not just staying alive, but profitability as well. And that's, that's right. your key. Yes. And, you know, speaking of which, this year I went through it, you know, we redid our website and we just really crafted a Congratulations. different message. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yes. And shout just, out to Dave. Yes, Can Dave. Can we give him, give him a shout out? Hey, here's a shout out to Netra Media at netramedia.com. If you're looking for a just really refining your branding and just yeah. really how you're going to the marketplace and how he helps you with perception and how to really carve out your niche. He does all of that and he's, he does it for us. He's inspirational and um, keep in mind that he was a guest on our show and you can find that previous podcast on your website Yes, now. it is now on our website. So um, we'll have the transcription of the show soon enough also where, where you know you can actually learn more about it. But one of the things that we discovered in this exercise of rebranding ourselves was to really distill the message of our brand in a little, in the slogan, you know, the, right. what's the catchphrase? And right. we decided that what we're most passionate about is helping uh, our customers have more profit, more value, mm-hmm. and more freedom. Love it. If you were to really encapsulate what Greenland is all about, it's about more profit for our clients, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Right. Because if uh, if we can help you, our team can help you deliver more profit, it will thereby increase the value, your enterprise value, the value of your company, the value of your business. And almost 80% plus of all of our customers are going somewhere with their branding. They want to scale to keep it as a income, you know, passive income asset, or they want to ex- scale so they can actually get the maximum value for their business and actually sell it and retire into an island in the Pacific. Do you, has anybody ever mentioned to you that you're also, um, I don't want to say selling because I don't think selling is the right word, but um, hope is closely associated with with your mission. Well, absolutely. I think when, when, when you work with business owners, you're providing them hope for profitability, that that goal that we're all striving for and that more time with our family or, Mm -hmm. you know, the possibility of perhaps retiring someday. And this is kind of encapsulated in that idea of hope. And that is is something very um, inspiring. Well, you've you've gotten a chance to see that firsthand, right? Because I become your biggest cheerleader. Right. I only work with with clients that I, where I can see the, the glimmer in their eye, you know, mm-hmm. the hope that I can awaken that giant within, you know, um, if I can see that you are passionate about what you do and you just need direction, right? I can help you get there, you right. know, where you are today and where you're going to be. I am by nature a visionary. I can, I see vision in people. 
But when my role is to become a CFO and, and a business advisor for my clients, right. I'm able to articulate that vision because I'm outside of them. I can be unbiased. Right. Right. I can give them really a true perception of who they are. But and what keeps me, you know, what gets me excited every morning is to see my clients happy and success and delivering, you know, double digit growth and, you know, our average customers growing 30% year over year. It's not mystery. The, we can, we have decodified everything. We know exactly what we need to help you. So back to more profit, more value, more freedom. Right. And that's what you're, you're, you wouldn't do what you do if you didn't have a passion for the small business owner who That's doesn't correct. know the changes that are happening in the law around them, which is a segment for our next show that we're going to be doing, you know, we, that our next show is going to be about the, the changes coming up in, in labor law. Yeah. But that's what you are passionate about. Absolutely. And what we do, um, you know, we, we want to work with our clients proactively prior to there ever being any problems. However, with that being said, a lot of our clients are contacting us after there's a problem. And so we are also kind of engaging in that um, hope commodity. In that one, we are trying to help build a business that's protected from liability and we're doing the best that we can to help them strive and, and move forward and feel like they're not in the ocean by themselves on one hand, but also on the other hand, when there is a problem and the clients are contacting us because there's a problem, we are also there to offer that hope commodity, um, that there is a way out. You know, I worked with a client last week and, and we've kind of been in, engaged in a, a, an ongoing battle and, you know, had to sit down and say, hey, let's, let's remember the important stuff. Number one, family's healthy. Everybody's happy. Um, number two, you have, you know, a great job. You've got a fantastic future. While we have these issues over here with mm. business that are, to, you know, we have to kind of sometimes separate it. And so I think that we we do as well. And I think that is super important to people um, that they do get to engage in that hope strategy. Um, it's just, it's what we're built on. So, so you're starting to see it, you know, um, as you are digesting this whole branding. It starts with you. What is it that you want? Right. Right. Who, who do you want to work with? The days of, you know, putting a shingle out, outside your office and waiting for people to come, those days are over. Over. Gone. You have got to go after your customers and the customers that you want to work with. You don't have to. You, you know that you can fire clients? You yeah, don't have I've to work with everybody. I've become pretty familiar with that. I have fired early on in my plenty career. of clients. Early Why? On. Because when we're not, when we're not going in the same direction, it, it produces dissonance. Correct. Right? And that, there's nothing worse with working out of congruence, you know, just not being in sync. I work best with clients that believe what I believe, right, about growth. And you know what? As a CFO, you're never going to hear me, I mean, even though it's embedded in the conversation, tax planning and tax strategies and, and how to save the most. And I don't really, I rarely ever talk about tax planning. There's no point in talking about income tax if you haven't made any income. But when you start making those real, you know, the, the, you know, the four hundred thousand, the five hundred thousand, the million dollars a year in net income, then you got some tax consequences. Then we can bring in the team to talk about that. Right. But that was number two, and uh, and you know, in the list of eleven ways to build a brand, number three is research brands, research brands within your industry niche. You do not want to be a copycat, right? A lot of people, what they do. What is it? Okay, but I understand you don't want to be a copy ca copycat, but at the same time, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. You don't want to be a me there's too, a, right? 
a right. fine fine spot, a comfort zone in there. There's two types of uh, ways of looking at it. Some people is let me try out something that the world has never seen before. So you got the you know the, the two outliers, the people that are willing to try something. You know what? Nobody is you know. Uh, figure out a way to live without oxygen. Let me go be the first one in the world to figure out a way that you can live without oxygen, right? right. As far out there as it is, people are thinking about that, but there's a very small percentage of the population. And there is the other extreme, like, is it, you know what? I just want to take a brand and change the letter and try to make it my own, right? Well, you can't really do that, right? There's legal reasons why you can't just do that. But I think we you got to strike a balance right. between... You don't want to be so in front of a trend that that the world is not ready for you. Right. And you don't want to be behind the trend where the, the, mark, the market has matured enough that there's no room for you. It's, All the Me Too's have joined the movement, right? right. It's, a really, it's a really a fine line, and I think it's really about knowing yourself. There's some people who are not comfortable in any kind of conforming program. So those are the people who they don't want to be followers. They want to be you know, out, out there completely stretch, stretching out and going into you know, totally new territories. But with that being said, you know, be prepared for that ride too. Cause that ride is, you know, can be an entirely different well, program. True. Um, I think some people are never really prepared to compete at that level. And in, in it, whether there is their own um, mindset, you, you, a lot of us get ourselves in the way. Like we are our worst enemy when it comes to building a business, and definitely we don't have the. We think we can do everything ourselves. We never seek input from the outside world, right? We we never know if uh, we're never validating our ideas, and we're trying to be like somebody else, and it fails, right? But there are tried and true. You know, some people just are just meant to be in a franchise model, right? Right. right. But some and that's people, true. And and because there are some people that are very comfortable in that because they know where the boundaries are. And, and that is a good thing. The world needs every single variation of this. But, you know, also you have to be willing to innovate and be kind of pushing your own envelope. And uh, that helps you kind of stride with the times. So here's the thing you have to remember. The goal is to differentiate yourself from the competition. There is something so compelling, so unique, your unique brand, your unique selling proposition that's so unique to you that people come to you, right? How you stand out as a brand, there's a reason why people love the Patagonia brand, right? Mm -hmm. Or REI, right? Well, if you can buy sports equipment anywhere, why are some people, you know, every time I drive by an REI and there's a special sale, there is a line a mile long. What about those people that are willing to endure sub-zero temperatures for the privilege to walk through those doors and buy something for, that is sold at REI. What is something about the brand? What are Patagonia people the way they are? It's like they, they, they build a cult around their, their, their brand. Right. Some people are meant to do that, mm -hmm. right? I think we can all learn from that. So I think uh, as you're looking at your businesses, you don't want to be just like everybody else. That, 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 you know. So then you know, it would be like being in the yellow pages, right? And then you're going to name yourself. Your business started with AAA something so you can be the first one people call. Right. Where in a sea of commodity, you know, I think a lot of industries are becoming commoditized. That doesn't mean that you have to be one of them. And this actually applies to from every type of business, from the micro business, the you know the person who's out there you know creating a landscaping business, to the person who is you know inventing new products. 
this type of branding, this type of understanding yourself and understanding where it all starts and what you're trying to deliver is step one before you get to step two, which is to identify your market and identify your niche. Absolutely. Well, we got to go to break. So fun stuff. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Finish this up. All right, welcome back. Um, so, talking about the 11, how to build your brand in 11 steps. All right, so uh, we spend way too much time in the first three. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Sorry. Number four, outline the key qualities and benefits your brand offers. Remember, this show is about branding. And um, brand it, branding has become a big thing. And um, so, there will always be brands with bigger budgets and more resources at their disposal. Um, your products, your services, and benefits belong solely to you and your company. Right. So starting a brand that is a member that is memorable means that you dig deep to figure out what you offer that no one else is offering. So think about that. Right. That's your uniqueness. What is what is makes you unique? You know, I love this book. I was thinking about it during the break. Um, it really revolutionized the way I think about branding and marketing, and that is Purple, Purple Cow by Seth Godin, the, you know, the, the godfather of marketing. It's a book that came in the night, probably the 90s. It was a bestseller. It was a be perennial bestseller. Um, and he argued at the time, like when, when people talk about, I'm unique, you know, look, you know, if the average store is open from eight to five, I'm going to be open from eight to six. And that makes me very unique. So I'm going to be open one hour longer than everybody else. He says, big deal. But what's unique about that? Yeah, I'm with him. But what he's saying is, how are you going to be so radically different? Why was Amazon so radically different than the there was no Amazon prior to Amazon because it reinvented the way people look at the marketplace and the right. way books were being sold at the time. But I think that, that again, we're kind of now we're talking about that that person or that that organization that is really w willing to push the envelope. And Correct. As opposed to being a little bit more middle of the road where you're not just cookie cutter, but at the same time, you're not flying out there all by yourself in a completely new and revolutionized world where a lot of people, when they get to that place, I mean, it is hard to sell yourself when you're that radically different, whether it be sell yourself to your customers or maybe to your, your banker or, you know, the, the vendors, when you are so far out there and you're pioneering a completely new world, I mean, I, I'm all for it. And I say, you know, I'm, I'm with you. But at the same time, recognize that you may be in that place for by yourself for a while. You you may have right. to go it alone. I'm I'm sure Jeff Bezos probably said it his idea to a few people early on, and they went. Most you, investors didn't you, want to be crazy. part of it. Yeah, you're right because he was too much of a visionary. Yeah, and yes, you don't want to be Amazon, and there's only so many people can handle that level of intensity. That level of intensity, exactly. But in our, if you no matter what you do, whether you're in construction, whether you're in insurance whether you are in healthcare. Create some way to be unique. How can you be unique, mm -hmm. right? How, how can you look around? And you know, knowledge is power. How much and how well do you know your competition? 
Uh, one of the things that um, we do whenever we engage and we started looking at what we do, what we, when we're doing something we call the baseline analysis. Right. So we look at a company and look at where it's been from a financial, start with the financials, you know, where they've been. The last. In order for us to predict the future three years forward, I want to be able to go back three years mm -hmm. and see where you've been before I prescribe where you're going. But we also look at, you know, your competition, you know, your customers. Who who do you sell to and who likes you? And what is the word on the street? You know, what are the testimonials? What do people like about your product or service? What do they dislike? Right. You want to know everything and complete SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats about your company and your brand. And uh, usually what happens, people don't know, right? I mean, do you know your competition, right? I ask my customers, do you know who your top 10 competitors are? Do you know their founders? Do you know their sales? Do you know what they're good at? You know, how are you going to be how are you going to be able to ex ex uh, ex uh, uh, capitalize on their weaknesses if you don't know what they are? That's and you all know branding. Good, you know a good way to, to find out is start interviewing your uh, competitors and start interviewing them as if you were going to maybe sign up for their service or and, and listen to their pitch. What What is it that they're pitching? Um, I've had a couple of people recently come in to talk to us about digital marketing. And, you know, we want to know, you know, the full-blown, what is it you're pitching? And, you know, we, if, if you're in that shopping position, it's a little bit more comfortable. But even if you're not, even if you're a competitor, interview them hear what they are pitching Hear right. hear what they're they're willing to give for x right you know and and what what is their monthly fee and you know what are what are they willing to do we've actually done that really we've actually done that with some of our competitors gone out into the market and and you know basically interviewed them as if we were going to hire them absolutely you do that through secret shopping or did they know that you were actually both 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 there are um there are competitors who are very open about their businesses and um are more um like willing to reach out a hand and kind of open themselves up to you and they're very confident in their business and so they will sit down and they'll talk with you and they're in a sense mentor you um if you're asking the questions they're very happy to provide answers and then there are other people who are a little bit more close i find that those are people who typically don't have a lot of confidence in their business and if i want to know something from them that we probably have to approach them as a secret shopper mm. um, but there are people in within your industry i guarantee it in virtually every industry that are confident in their business they enjoy seeing new people come into the industry and they're willing to act and you know talk with you as a mentor would mm. good point all right so number five create a brand logo and a tagline well i think we talked a little bit about that you know you, what, what is your brand? What does your brand stand for? You know, down to the color palette. Do you have a brand? Do you have brand colors? You know, I always go to, um, there are some companies that are religious with religious fanaticism. They protect their brand. They're, if they're going to let you use their, their, their brand for something, they want to make sure that you don't miss a stroke of their brand design. You're not one degree away from their colors that it has to be spot on they you know you got to police your brand and you know the, what people perceive you and uh, you know the big companies they they have ip lawyers right i mean on mm -hmm. in-house counsel whose sole job is to make sure that nobody is violating their trademarks right yeah Right, boy. Let me tell. That is a big. That's a can project. of worms, right? And if you're an international business or even a national business, um, trademarking is um, it's a big business, state and federal. 
Right. It, it's it's multi-layered, and there are um, organizations that spend a tremendous amount of time and energy um, managing policing. their brand. Yeah, policing their mm-hmm. trademarks. I mean, I mean, if somebody wanted to trademark, would, would you suggest a a federal? When do you suggest a federal trademark versus a state trademark? Federal. Uh, if definitely, if you're going to be inter, um, national, you know, working outside of California, if you're just inside of California and you have a product, uh, probably don't need to do the, the the federal branding unless you're going to start selling online and you're going to be, you know, kind of crossing state lines. Um, federal uh, trademarking is a little bit more difficult to get when you apply for your federal trademark. They actually assign you a trademark attorney that works for the federal government that works with you to iron really? out a lot of stuff. Okay. Whereas um, state level, it's kind of a sign up. They approve it and go with you, but, but you will work hand in hand on the federal level with an attorney that, um, Okay. That goes through that stuff. So yeah, it, it's important. Don't be afraid of it. Certainly, don't be afraid of it, and certainly start at the state level. Okay, good. Moving on. So number six in our list is eleven steps for you to really brand yourself is to form your own brand voice. What does that mean? Well, it's how you communicate with your customers. Is how they respond to you. How do they perceive you? Is is your brand voice professional? Uh, is it friendly? You want to be their pal? Is it service-oriented? Is it authoritative? Technical? Promotional? Conversational? Informative? What is your brand voice, right? I think in our world, you and me are in the, what we say the professional services, mm-hmm. right? So there's a certain professionalism that is expected of us. Now, you know, if you're in a software, if you're a techie, you know, when you show up to work, you know, it's it, maybe you can be in, in a in a hoodie, in a, you know, in, in, in jeans yeah. and tennis shoes, and a t-shirt. I mean, that's what's expected. Right. And how your employees are dressed, you know, to work, and what are the, you know, how does your office laid out? You know, the creatives they want to have their office kind of whimsical, and you know, a lot of the tech companies are sort of leading the way in how workspace kind of functions, mm-hmm. and that's part of your brand. Right. Right. When you, you know, when you walk into a place. The minute you step through that door, you get to experience someone's brand. And, you know, down to the music that they play. You know, I, I over, you know, the, 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 the holiday, I was, you know, we go shopping and, you know, Thanksgiving and Black Friday. And then you got to go places. Uh, and, and you walk into some, you know, the youth, you know, the, you, you know, the young places. I don't even know their names. Uh, Urban Outfitters and all those. Just stroll through the mall. And you, you can hear get, the music. Yeah. Different music in different stores. Different vibes. Listened to by certain crowds, right? The kids will have, you know, the, the louder, you know, the, some of the young places will have this very loud music I don't connect with anymore, but... Um, but but they're speaking to that audience. But if you want if you want to see branding at, at probably at, at a top level, just walk through the mall. Right. I mean that really is where there has been a tremendous amount of time and energy placed on color palettes and the vibe and what things are in the front window versus at the back of the store and it's it really and you can look at that and if you take that and just kind of convert it into what what is your business, then um, you can certainly see how all of those things are coming to play in one in, in one kind of package. Yeah, so um, it's it just, it just a lesson. And if 
you can't really bury your head in the head in the sand when it comes to branding. You got to know not what's anymore. out there. Not, not anymore. With, you not anymore. Really at the front lines of defining your brand because if you don't define your branding for your business, somebody else will, and you may not like it. Speaking of that, a little cyber social media, right? And then all days, people were saying, you know, I'm really confident in the way the way my customers perceive you, so I'm not really going to engage in social media. And then people started saying bad things about the company, and there was nobody to respond to. Oh, right. Now we have this uh, position that companies are hiring for a social media manager, right? Who is actually managing the customer experience on the social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Because you gotta be with the times, you know. Right. The medium is social media, and you got your brand has to be involved. And there are companies that assist you with that. If you're if yeah. you're out there listening, you're thinking, "Oh my, you know, how in the heck am I going to manage, you know, social media and Instagram and all and, and the responses for heaven's sakes?" Right. There are people that do help you with that, and it's rather affordable right. um, because it's very very accessible. It doesn't require um, people to you know have you know outrageous degrees or, or, or right. they're very accessible. So number seven, before we go to a break, build a brand message in an elevator pitch. This is always a tough one, but simple is better. You know, we went through multiple iterations of our brand to until we landed in more profit, more value, more freedom. It's easy to remember. And it's when easy we to come, talk about. When we come back, we can talk about what an elevator pitch is because people may not know oh, that's what an true. elevator pitch is. That's an old school phrase. It's old school. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, we are back for the final segment on how to build a brand in 11 steps. But before we do that, we need to talk about branding. Where can we find you? All right, well, so you know what we do. We help you with more profit, more value, more freedom. If you want to know more about that, go to our website at www.greenlandhq.com or you can call our office at 559-207-3148. Speaking of branding. Speaking of branding, you can find the Sharon Law Firm here in Modesto on Stanford Avenue on the web at www.sharon-law.com and that's S-H-E-R-R-O-N-Law.com. Excellent. And you can serve clients all over the state, right? All over the state. Yes. Uh, this Don't be shy. Yeah, this technology didn't just affect social media. It has affected every industry. Most of our clients um, really don't have time to, to take to come to the office and meet with us. So we meet with them uh, remotely as well. Um, interestingly enough, um, most court appearances now are done by court call, phone really? call. Yeah, it's just, it's really an inefficient way to deal with um, really? appearances. Huh. For a client to have to pay us to, say, drive to, say, Stockton from here or Fresno, um, things are done by phone now, even in the courtroom. It's really? fabulous. Okay, so we got seven minutes. Okay, so can we wait, bring it home? But right. Yes, we can. Because, but wait, we got to talk about elevator pitch because a what lot of people it? hear elevator pitch and they think, what the heck is that? It is a pitch that is, does, that is, so short and so to the point that you can deliver it in an elevator ride. So oftentimes if you're caught in an elevator with somebody, you should be able to quickly whip out your business card and give them the quick elevator pitch about your business. So not to put you on the spot, but you're, I think you're a pro at your own elevator pitch, right? What, what would it be? Okay. We are the Central Valley's business and real estate law firm here to assist clients in growing and developing their business. But <laughs> What's smoke. yours? 
we help businesses to deliver more profit, more value, more freedom. More okay, you know what? You don't well, you don't get unfair, extra right? points like, because you you have just been reworking your website <laughs> and doing all of this brain work. Okay, it's so fresh in my mind. It is. So back to branding. So we talked about number seven. You know, it's build a brand message in an elevator pitch. And number eight is let your brand personality shine. Well, how do you do that? I think that you should, this is a really good time to, to reach out to people who are around you and get feedback. Um, mm. You know, okay. focus groups are used by big companies. Right. Uh, focus groups are used by, um, you know, attorneys facing big lawsuits. So, you know, we want to get a focus group and see how is our message getting across? Are mm. you getting what I'm putting down? I know on a small level, on the, on the micro level, we do that within our office. We will sit down with somebody else and um, we actually have a few people who are outside of the legal industry that we will send documents to uh, for them to read, to, to hear the feedback. So, you know, read this document, read this pleading, let me know if you're, you know, what, what you got out of that. And then when they tell us, then we say, oh, we're spot on. We delivered the right message or they kind of go, eh, it's a little confusing. It's kind of circular. You're, you're bouncing all over the place with your message. Really? So I'm, I really, really think that it's important for you to take your message and try it out on the people who you know and love. Um, and every now and then maybe somebody who is a little bit distant from you just say, Hey, what do you, what do you think about this? Um, am I communicating the right message or are you getting this out of it? So I hope this is helpful to you. I, I know we said a lot and, you know, I've, I've heard that the transcripts of our shows can be 10,000 words long. Good which Lord, is, you talk a lot. Yeah, I, it's your fault. <laughs> you make me talk a lot. I keep it going. I keep it going. But, but I hope this is helpful. We don't expect to solve every problem for every topic we no. discuss. But if you have questions, feel free to reach out to us. Even if, you know, you, you don't have to engage us. You don't have to work with us. We're really here to help the community. Yes. This show, it's about really helping business owners be more successful because if they are more successful, they will hire more people. We'll make the world go round. Right. We have a better economy. We'll have more jobs. We have lower unemployment rate, et cetera. But back to brand personality, I think the best way to looking at it is, you know, from left to right, you know, come up, come up with a grid for, you know, and, and, you know, if you were in the middle, for instance, if you would put a, you know, a, but on the left and on the right. So if you're on the left is person, personable and friendly, on the right it's going to be corporate and professional. And where do you rank? You know, are you closer to personable and friendly or are you more on the corporate professional side? Right. You, you're the only one that can actually answer that because right. you are the brand uh, ambassador, right? You, right. sh you should be your own brand ambassador. And really, no matter what industry you're in, you can you can be pro the professional on the professional side of that spectrum, even if you are in... Um, residential home cleaning that you know the more professional brand would be you know tailored um, uniforms name tags or if you are not on that really you know branded pro professional end of the spectrum you're more casual that's fine too in the same industry just know where you yeah, want to be. Just know where you want to be. Some people feel more comfortable when the, um, say, the carpet cleaner comes to the door and they have a uniform shirt on. They've got the name tag on, and, and they just feel more comfortable about that appearance. And then, on the other hand, having been in that industry, some people are more comfortable when you come to the door and you are casual and you know dress nicely but casual, and they feel like they can relate to you. You know what's interesting. Um, if you watch uh, TED Talks, have you ever watched them? Uh, no, I, I know what they are. They got very popular during my, my youngest 
tenure in high school. Yeah, so this TED Talks, you get to see people that de- develop one topic over 20 minutes, usually mm-hmm. about 20 minutes. They're all over the country now, but they're just, you You come out, for you got 20 minutes to develop one topic, and you get to see the personalities and the way they dress when they come on stage, and um, you see how people are comfortable because that's, you know, that's a statement of who you are is how you come across, how you're, what, the way you speak and whether you're prepared and, and the collateral materials that you use to show this audience. And for those that come as a company, they represent their brand. Like for instance, you know, I was, I, I would never be able to pull up. I, I mean, I would never be comfortable, just comfortable being on a t-shirt and jeans and, and, and sneakers uh, talking to uh, 2,000 people in a crowd just because that's not who I am. I'd probably mm. be a little more on, on, you know, on, the, on the professional casual side, but to be that lax, it's not me, but that right. says something about their brand. You know, a lot of the tech companies, they are very lax in their way because they, it, it, but they're some of the most brilliant people you ever met, but right. they're comfortable in that. And you just have to know where you stand. Are you a spontaneous high energy or are you careful thinking and planning? Are you modern or high tech? Or are you classical traditional, right? Um, you, know, uh, you know, modern high tech, you know, versus classic. I mean, you know, you got the, you know, the polished furniture or you got the Ikea furniture, you know? Right. It, it's, and it's, it's all okay. And it's all okay. It's, it's how you want to come across cutting edge established. So that's on the, um, um, that was number eight. So number nine, integrate your brand into every aspect of your business. The brand building process never stops. Mm-mm. So can you ever just be relaxed and you say, okay, I figured out my brand. Uh, no, I don't think you can, right? I, I think there's competitors out there to get you. I mean, you know, it's friendly, it's competitive, but when a business prosper, another one fails, right? right? There's only so much marketplace. right? So you gotta be, um, I always said, and this is true in my business, it's always easier to keep a customer happy than to go get a new one. That is very true. Isn't that true? Although many people don't believe that. Many but, people or they think, act like they don't believe that. Well, the, I, I think if you, if you ditch enough customers, you, you'll soon find that you'll change your mind. You you will there's but there are people who um, ha- really have very low regard for the customers. It's about jump in, jump out, grab the dollar, get out, and um, social media has rapidly changed that whole concept. Also, we're out here in the Central Valley, having done business in in the San Jose area. Mm. It's a completely different thing because there's a sheer volume of people. Right. So, but but the, I don't think again, it's just easier to keep a customer happy than to go to get a new one. And you know what, in the tech world, because I, I go in through a lot of those uh, software companies, software as a service, and, and the investors measure churn. What is, how many customers are you losing every year? So if you brought in 100 customers, are, how many are going out the door that don't renew because they didn't like the brand experience? Right. You know, 10%, 8%, 5%, 20%. I mean, at some point it becomes alarming because if you're bringing, you know, if you're growing 20% every year, but you're losing 20%, you're not growing. Right. So you cannot ignore the well-being of your customers. Right. They are your bread and butter. Treat them like they're royalty. Right, right. Right? Until such time that they don't reserve they don't deserve your respect. And if it, then it's not mutually symbiotic. You you don't benefit from them, they don't benefit from you. Maybe you sh- you should be willing to let go of clients. Right. You said that before. And that brings to mind, it begs the question, do you personally believe the customer's always right? It's not always right. Okay, good. 
No, because you know what? I have a moral obligation to tell the customer the truth. Right. Right. Now, my version of the truth is is backed up by you know gap accounting and and, right. and and what's out there and what's legal and morally right. Right. Now, if if that doesn't jive with um, my customer, I have I have a moral obligation to walk away. Right. Because I can't be I can't let my own brand. Um, you know, a customer that wants me to go in, in, in media and say something, you know, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, you know about a situation in which they wanted me to say something that wasn't true. I can't do that. Right. No, I'm glad you say that because I think that a lot of people get into business um, or maybe they are, I have idyllic um, visions um, and really bend over backwards trying to, um, you know, please the customer. And I'm all for that. But you bring up a really good point in that when the customer's um, perhaps their ethics or their desires or their their end goal is diverging from yours and how you need to get there. Um, it's important that you stay true to your brand. And know when to walk away. And know when to walk away. So number 10 is stay true to your brand building. Consistency is key. And, you know, um, Starbucks is the, world, is the world's leading supplier of as a coffee retailer and their brand has always promised to bring people together. I, You know, it's funny. People go to Starbucks and not always have, they don't, they're, they're not always just consume anything, just sit there. But their employees know that and they let that happen was because yeah. they are, their mission is to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. You can say a lot of things about Starbucks, but one thing is consistent. Almost all Starbucks that you go to, they have people in them, right? They're just having, just... Just meeting places. This is a meeting place. It's a meeting place. The only the other place that I've noticed that is sort of mimic that is Panera Bread. Panera. Spend a lot of time there. Ooh. Uh, me too. And so, it's funny, my husband built one um, in, a oh, neighbor, really? in a neighboring town. And until we were really intimately involved with the design, did not realize how much of the design um, was centra- centrally focused around um being that hangout place really where the huh. plugins were put how many circuits were in there and and why they it was a complicated build even though it's a small usually there's small stores in, in comparison, like a you know Macy's right. or Target or right. something. So in, in a relatively small um, build, so much of the design has gone, um, been focused around making it a comfortable place to hang out and encouraging people to stay. Whereas many years, restaurants were designed to turn the table. How fast could we flip that table over and get a new customer sitting here? A completely do, new um but I think that's a really good example of what we were talking about before, about being unique and different, but yet not completely flying outside the coop either. Yes. And last but not least, we made it. Number 11, be your brand's biggest advocate. Nobody cares more about your business than you do. And if somebody cares more about your business than you do, you're in trouble. So hope this was helpful to you guys. Any war, Any words of wisdom? Any final closing remarks? No, except for I think, well, okay, so I said no, but now here I go. <laughs> um, I, you know, really, really, it's all about you making um, a definite and clear conscientious choice of what you want your business to look like mm-hmm. and then making it look like that. And build the business that you want. So in in my industry, they the adage is um, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you can tell them again. <laughs> There you well, go. on that note, on thank that you, note. Claudine. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time.